0: Hello, welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host John Mark Grody. I'm Tracy Grody, and we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Thanks for being with us again for this uh, conversation here on the show, talking about you know all the little ways, the little ordinary things that God's sending to us through which we are to be the saints that He's called us to be. We're to grow in virtue. We're to build treasure in heaven, uh, and it's not through the big things out there in the real world, the mythical real world, someplace. It's here in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, and in our home schools. If that's something that you do, you're mine too. That's what we've been talking the last couple episodes about homeschooling, not giving you the definitive homeschooling one on one, how to do it, what it is, why you should do it. No, that's not really what our conversation has been about. It's just about our journey, our thought process, kind of how we worked through it, how we came to it what our experiences have been, and if there's any takeaways we want you to take away from it, it's just to be empowered that you, you could do this if you thought it was best for your children, and you are capable and competent to make that evaluation and to make that decision for your family. It's part of your right and responsibility as a parent. Um, and we want you to be empowered to know that you you could do it, you can do it. And even if you are uh, sending your kids to school, you can do it in little ways around that. Because again, you are the primary educator of your children. No one in the world knows your children like you do. Uh, you got this. You got this. Yeah, got this. So we've talked a couple episodes now. The first episode, we kind of shared um, a snapshot of what we're doing now. And again, it changes year to year, but we give you a snapshot on what kind of our life looks like Right now, in case that was helpful to you, we also talked a little bit about our, our backgrounds, our educations, kind of what, you know, our baggage, uh, positive and negative going into uh, our family life and Mm -hmm. our journey to homeschooling. Second episode, we talked through some of the mindset stuff Mm -hmm. with homeschooling, really kind of three main points, learning your children, learning yourself Yourself, and learning your your environment in in general, your home, your family culture. So
1: thinking through that. Yeah. As we do.
0: And so what are we talking about this third so and final?
1: This final one, we solicited little... some questions yeah. for a Q&A. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it at the very end. Um, but first of all, we're going to set up our actual practicals and yeah, advice. So, just... so this is, now we're out, out of the thre- theoretical maybe, you know us, <laughs> we'll probably get yeah. into that. But into some practical things that we have put together Um just and, based on our, you know, yeah. 10 years doing this.
0: And yeah, let me make a comment about the practicals. Again, one of the reasons that we focus on virtue in this show is because virtues, principles uh, uh, for understanding human behavior and, and how we ought to act, they're, they're really valuable for translating from one life to another life, right? When we look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ or of his great saints, um, imitating them is never as simple as just doing externally what they did. In other mm-hmm. words, like dressing like Jesus and wearing sandals and going on dusty roads, like that's not what it means to imitate Jesus. What it means is to understand the way he thought, the qualities of his heart and mind, his virtues. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So too with the saints. And so when we're not we're not setting ourselves up as saints here, but when we talk about uh, practicals, even amongst them, we're we're, we're the point isn't that that the point is not that you might replicate these in your life it's that you might take pick and choose things that are helpful to you but more importantly recognize the principles behind them so that you can take those and think them through and talk them through with your own spouse and and discover how to implement them instantiate them in your life in the way that makes sense to you
1: yeah this is how you become an adult in the catholic church and this is how you become valuable to the church now everybody obviously everyone has their own dignity and value no matter what we do, but we can really become parish builders and kingdom builders when we learn how to become saints in our own day and age and situation and relationships. Yeah. And again, not a saint. I've got six children at home. Well, maybe five. The baby likes me to <laughs> <even> tell you <laughs> actually she started hitting baby me the other day. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, that would tell you otherwise, yeah, um, but that is my this is my struggle to become a saint, right? Yeah, is, no one is can... now, my now, right. And this is my adulthood. This is yeah. how i'm I'm being magnanimous, magnanimous magnanimity
2: yeah
1: how i'm how I'm looking at what God has called me to, and I'm trying really hard not to shirk away from it or choose something else.
0: Turn toward it, embrace it, it, but also shoulder the responsibility of, of being the thinker, the decision maker, the creator, the free actor in the life that God's given you. No one can do it but you but we can uh, we can help encourage each other along the way. So yeah. that's what we're
2: doing here.
1: Awesome. And we mentioned this in the other two episodes. I just want to mention it again, kind of housekeeping. If you want what we think is probably the best two hours you will spend learning about homeschooling, um, <laughs> we recommend this podcast. It's called The Secrets of Joe Schooling. Joe Schooling by Jennifer Fulweiler. Jennifer Fulweiler is a comedian She homeschooled six kids. This is hilarious. It's entertaining. And and they're very rational and good thinkers thinking from the heart of the church. So we recommend that podcast (laughs) before ours. This is us thinking, thinking out loud and conversing. Okay, so practicals and advice. We went over these a little bit in the other episodes, but these are just kind of recaps. Again, practicals. Okay. So the first thing I have here, I'm reading off my notes. John Mark is going to riff. <laughs> <laughs> so these may, I don't know. Freestyle. These may be good. These may be bad. Okay. okay. So number one, set clear mountaintop goals for your children with your faith in your spouse. Okay. So you and your spouse and your faith Yeah. set the clear mountaintop goals for your children. Keep those short and simple and call them to mind constantly. I wrote down, put them on your wall. Yes. Okay. That's so cool. we went into in the last episode in the section about learning yourself, that there are so many fears about how you will ruin your children, even if you don't homeschool them. <laughs> there, you'll <laughs> As soon as you are pregnant, you will fear ruining your child. Yeah. And the, re- the, the reason why we set these clear mountaintop goals these real priorities. Yeah. I want my child to be resilient. I want them to be virtuous. I want them to be a saint. I want them to love me. I want them to feel joy in our relationship. Set those goals up high. Agree on them with your spouse and your rational mind mm. and call them always to mind. A great um, book to help you do this. This is not specifically about homeschooling, but this helps couples walk through what's important in their own own marriage. So this is not a book that tells you cookie cutter what to do about someone else's marriage. This is you walking through with your spouse. Um, It's called Three Big Questions for Frantic Families. It Mm -hmm. will take you less than two days to read. If you're a quick reader like John Mark, it'll take you a couple hours. So...
0: Almost anyway, cool. okay. all
1: right. Set clear mountaintop goals, yeah, John, Mark, me, you go for that. that.
0: Ethan, drop a beat here. I'm going to riff on this a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, this I think it's such an important point here because and and there's a there's a subtlety to this point that that may be overlooked. We we all get that you need to set goals and that you need to you know look forward ahead. I think what what we we underestimate or overestimate. I think our goals are are generally um, they're too short sighted. They're they're actually mm-hmm. too small. Um, I I had this this revelation in my own life a couple of years ago that like I, I realized for my entire life, whenever I think of of goals of, of where I'm gonna go, I I am I'm, I'm a person of many fears, as you said. Um, and when we make our goals within our fears, we always make these goals based on what I already can imagine. Mm-hmm. Like We only make goals of things that we can already imagine knowing how to do and seeing how we're going to accomplish it. And the problem is, first of all, that that doesn't leave any room for trust in God and openness to where he might be calling us because he might be calling us to something that's very new and different, but it also doesn't, it never pushes us to go out beyond our comfort zones. Like I'm only going to make goals that I can already imagine myself doing that are already very comfortable to me. And he, and so it never pushes us out beyond that. But also the reality is if we if we set those things aside for a moment and say, no, what do I really want? What do I really want for my marriage, for my family, for my children? And we're able to think about that unencumbered from our fears and doubts and all that. Then if we get that clear in our mind and then we begin to walk backwards, we actually recognize that, no, we we can see how I would proceed in that direction. Uh, and it also gives us the very clear to pray for and to trust God with, because we we see more clearly where we want to go. And as we work back from that, we actually recognize, no, this is, this is more attainable. I can see the things that are important now that'll lead me there. Um, but when, if we always are making goals and plans within our fears, within the kind of the, the, the prison of our fears, we, we, we can never move very far. And so <laughs> set big goals, like th- d- dream big with your spouse um, you'll be surprised at what it actually can do for your marriage and family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, and the book, Three Big Questions for Frantic Families.
0: Great resource, yeah.
1: By Pat Lencioni will also help you with this number two. Yeah. Ruthlessly examine what is siphoning time and attention and control away from your family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So we talked a little bit last episode um, or the on um, part two homeschooling about what systems you're in uh, a part of, okay? Your job system, your school system, your church system. I don't know, not church, let's not lump Mm. that in there. But like, what are the systems, okay? That are siphoning your time and your attention and your resources away from you dreaming those big dreams for your big hopes of sainthood and a happy family and a happy marriage. Like what's pulling those away? Mm. Um, but always keep in mind that you can add those things back in.
0: Yeah, that was a great You're point. you
1: are not saying forever episode, goodbye yeah. to the school system, okay? You're saying, I'm going to rightly order this, mm-hmm. okay? We're going to step back from this two-parent working system, okay? We're going to step back from it, mm-hmm. okay? And we're just going to see how this plays out, you know? So, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You can...
0: Like, yeah, you know. well, and, that, and of course, that's a particularly difficult example because <laughs> if a family gets really, really used to a two-parent income and a standard of living like that, then it's hard. It is hard to pull back from that. But you know, with regards to homeschooling, I think it's an easier example of just recognizing that, or maybe, maybe you don't recognize this. You can step away from a school system and extracurriculars and sports and all the you know kind of stuff. You can step back from those and and reevaluate and re, again get to know your children and your spouse and your family and your family culture. Um, and you can always then dip back into those things that are helpful. But sometimes we just, we, we get these fears, you know, from our experience of school that, oh, if the kids miss any of this formal school setting, or if they miss any sports or any extracurriculars or any clubs or any badges or any grades, you know, that it's going to, it's going to ruin the rest of their life. And the reality is those things they are they're just not. There are more important things in your kids' lives, and you can you can step back and focus on the more fundamental things: the prayer, the relationships, the family culture, um, getting to know your your child and where they are in their own journey of education and, and virtue, and helping them take a the step forward. You can step back and focus on those things, and you can always go back. You can always re-enroll or get involved in things, but you need to know that you have the freedom to do that because so so that you're not locked into something that. That isn't ideal, and maybe you can't evaluate properly just because you're locked into it. Mm-hmm. Is I guess the way yeah. I'd say that.
1: And I, I think one of the best ways to do that is like by thought experiments, mm. right? So
0: I love thought experiments.
1: Yeah, just like okay, say say the worst part of my life. Mm-hmm. The worst part of my life is school drop up and pick up. Mm-hmm. Run the thought experiment. Nobody there are no thought police who are going to like yeah. chastise you for thinking about what 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 would happen. If I came to the school and said, I'm going to drop my kid off at five minutes after every day, like what would happen? You can Mm -hmm. think that thought. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. What would happen? Can they, can they reasonably say no? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Can they kick your kid out? I don't know. Can they give him tardy every single day? And then they have this tardy check mark near. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, will he have to do two extra days to add up those five minutes at the end of the school year? Well, maybe that's something we'll do. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, or like, there's no one that's going to hurt you for doing that thought experiment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Sometimes I think we 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 get scared to even allow certain things to met, to yeah. to to come into our brains because we'll get well, in trouble for them. Or,
0: or, like you brought up last episode, the example of of homework. You know, the idea that kids, mm-hmm. uh, many kids, go to a go to school eight, nine hours a day, you know, all told, and then have to come mm-hmm. home with hours of additional schoolwork. And
1: their homework should take them 10 minutes, but they're like, their eyes are glazed over and they're just like done because they're five and they've spent eight hours in like,
0: school. It's okay to push back against that and see where the boundaries lie. And you, and then, you know, well, once, that, once you've say, discovered the boundaries, decide whether to uh, to accept them yeah. or to say, again, I, I, can, I can... Or I'll away.
1: accept the responsibility if my kid isn't excelling in this particular homework or mm-hmm. I'll accept the responsibility as the parent um, of, of an F in homework in second grade. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'll accept that. Yeah. And I'm like, again, no one is going to hurt you for thinking through the process of what if I said no more homework mm-hmm. for my kid right now, they just can't handle this. And it's, this is my home time and Mm. we're just not doing this every day. Like you can run that thought experiment without getting in trouble.
0: You can run that real experiment.
1: Yeah. Once you run the thought experiment. Yeah. So like, and, and this is just like when you, when you ruthlessly, this is, this is the advice. Ruthlessly examine what is siphoning time and attention and control away from your family Um, and feel, you know, like run the thought experiment of what if the system that this is siphoning my My precious hours with my kid after school every day. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe this is not what we're doing anymore. Um, uh, Number three, focus on learning the child and learning your relationship with them. And we talked about that a ton in the second episode. But yeah, focus on learning your child, even if it means you don't do any formal schooling for a defined amount of time. You know, go to museums, go to parks, let the kid say, What do you want to do today, kid? (laughs) You Mm know, what, like, we'll follow you today, you know, yeah. and, and just see what happens um, and learn the it's, child. And yeah, right, sorry, you go
0: ahead. Well, no, I mean, one other way to put it is it's putting relationships over over systems or over specific expectations about grades or outcomes. And that doesn't mean, like, I, I want to qualify it a little bit. It doesn't mean, I mean, you made the comment that we've we've heard and then parroted, you know, in our own family life the other day, you know, that I, I'm, not, I'm not your friend, kid. Right, I'm your parent, right? So to say that you 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 prioritize family relationships over like getting through a math curriculum on time or whatever it might be, it's not to say that you're not that you're you're relinquishing your role as a parent and just being a buddy. No, it's not that. Like there is a there is an important boundary there. The the a parent to child relationship is different than a buddy buddy relationship, Mm -hmm. and 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 that's important to maintain. You are there as a mother or father uh, to teach and to guide. Um, but the relationship, recognize the relationship between two free human beings in which you're trying to help that person, that little person to freely mature and make decisions and take steps forward Mm -hmm. in their, in their education, in their, their virtue growth to prioritize that over the outcomes. Again, this is, this is just a part of life that we, it's very easy to get folk to focus on the outcomes and then to let that cause fear that, that causes that, um, leads you to not um, to not act in, in a way that actually is leading to those outcomes, right? To get worried about the outcome and then to be impatient in the present moment rather than say, you know what, I'm going to set aside the outcome. I'm gonna just, just going to be focused on being present to this person, really listening to them, really empathizing with them, really getting to know them and getting to know what's going to help them take the step mm-hmm. forward. That's putting the relationship before the specific educational outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And sometimes too, like you'll, you'll get a real, when you take the kids out of the house, okay, to something that they want to do, the sibling relationships will look a lot different Mm -hmm. and you might be able to glean other nuances and strengths and weaknesses and different pairs that you would have never put together. Mm Um, or even comparing children in a way you mm-hmm. wouldn't have compared them before. Yeah. Like I would have thought this kid would be the first person in the Creek getting all muddy, but she was terrified of sticking her foot in the cold water. And this mm-hmm. girl who I would have never guessed was like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you, you could have had your kids backwards, you know,
2: right.
1: um, you're setting up fun events for one that they she actually, actually doesn't like. And the other kid feels like they would like, you know, yeah. so it's just, um, yeah. Focus on learning your child and learning your relationship with them. <laughs> Number four, again, totally, these are just totally arbitrary. We're just pulling things out of our homeschooling. Banish being behind, quote unquote, being behind. And mm. we spoke a little bit about that. There's no such thing. Children, okay, so I'm going to take it this direction, okay? Yeah. Children learn so fast. They learn so fast. You, you can probably catch a kid up on almost anything in a single semester, Okay. Now I'm talking about young kids. I'm not saying you can fit all of engineering in, you know, one semester and have a degree or whatever. Um, But if math isn't working right now, take a few months break, grab some living books about math at the library or let them do cooking or different kinds of problem solving or whatever, but your, your kid isn't going to be behind. Yeah. Um, You know, if you give a kid, like you were, you were mentioning this in another episode, like if you give a kid a board game, a kid who can read, and say you figure this out and you teach me they'll figure it out right you know so it's like the idea that someone would say like if i if we take a little bit of time off a of handwriting they mm-hmm. they're going to be behind and you're yeah. like no it just takes an afternoon of like or,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah or if we go through it really getting quickly it back. that's another thing is just recognizing that the re- the reason that that material is paced the way it is in a school setting is because they have to make sure that no no child is left behind in the yeah, school and setting yeah you're managing but Twenty one,
1: to two hundred students. Yeah, in a one semester,
0: child you know. might you know need more time on a certain subject or a certain concept within a subject, and you know what? You can take that time. You can go more slowly. You can back it way up and, and review. Or with a different child, you can say, you know what? There's no reason to to slow down. Yeah, let's go. Let's just rush through yeah. five chapters because they're excited about it right now. They're getting it. They're they have they're motivated. They're excited. They're feeling confident about it. Yeah. Like you can adjust you know speed up, slow down yeah. the pace based on your child's aptitude and their interest in, and enthusiasm.
1: Yeah. A lot yeah. of times when I, I feel like a kid has been excited about the, a workbook page or a chapter or something, yeah. I'll be like, do you want to do another? Like, that was great. Do you want to do another chapter? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll be like, yeah. And we'll do a couple more chapters. Or sometimes they'll be like, mm, not right now. Yeah. You know? And so and it's so like, fine. that's not, I mean, that's not, you know, letting the kid take the reins. It's like, you're kind of like gauging. Mm-hmm. if I gave this child the opportunity, would they f- go further in this, right. you know, or was what I set just done for the day? We're, if, we're done.
0: This is a, t- a tangential thing, but I think it relates to this. Again, it just, it's a, it's a long in this vein of, of rethinking some of our presumptions about education, but I, we we did another episode about reading, I think at one point, how to read a book, mm-hmm. you know, reading. Mm-hmm. Rereading. You know, and, Rereading. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that just blew my mind when it finally occurred to me, um, again, having read that book by um McIntyre, no, or whoever that was.
2: Had to read a book. Yeah. What was
0: was the guy's name? One of his points in the book was like, it's okay to skim. Like sometimes we, we, we have this presumption. I need to, I need to read slowly and methodically and not miss a single thing. And his whole point is if the book's worth reading, you'll read it again, skim it the first time. Like it's okay. Give yourself that permission and also give yourself permission not to finish a book that you don't think is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Like that's Okay. You can sk- and so bringing this back to education. The point is, early on when I w- when I get into my kids reading and I would give them a novel, they'd pick up a novel and they'd be reading through it real fast. And I'm just knowing, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, I just know they're skimming over things. They're skimming over some of the the, the description of the scenery. And there's a part of the me that's poetry. like, no, no, you gotta <laughs> slow down. You gotta slow down. You don't want to miss a single thing. But recognizing that, no, 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 no it's okay. That's part. That's part of reading is the, the first time you read a great novel, you're following the plot and you're, mm-hmm. you're not as patient with all the detailed scenery. But then you know what? <laughs> we have books that our kids have now gone back and read over and over mm-hmm. because the first time they followed the plot, the second time they they were really digging into all the rest of the meat. And so too with education. it's okay to to, to move ahead quickly. You can always go back and review or work on bits that didn't get, that didn't uh, sink in the point is you can you can modulate according to your kids interest and aptitude.
1: Mm-hmm. Next, we've covered this one previously mm-hmm. a few times but I just want to re-mention it again since it's a practical. Ask yourself what you're afraid of. Ask yourself what you're afraid of. When you're ha- when you're sitting at the table and you're having a hard time, ask yourself what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that you're not get- you're not going to finish this in time to get dinner in the crockpot? Well, that's a real fear. Mm-hmm. You know, but freaking out about it, you know, uh, at this child is not going to get dinner in the crock pot yeah, any it's sooner. The,
0: the outcome versus you could take
1: a, you could take thing. a breather in five minutes, 10 minutes and start dinner, mm-hmm. you know, or you could say school's over for the day. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is really bothering me and I'm not going to be a good teacher, I'd rather just have them read some books right now or work yeah. on their foreign language or, you know, some, some other thing that is not moderated by me, you right. know? So ask yourself what you're afraid of. Mm, um, push yourself to feel it and name it and share it with your spouse. Like mm. get it out in the light just get it out there. Yeah. Um, you. Uh, this is next. You are going to give up some things that kids learn in school, and that's okay. Okay. Let me give you an example. In my family, that looks like my kids interrupt more. They don't know how to stand in a line. They look like <laughs> cavemen who have just been thawed out, encountering <laughs> traffic for the first time when they cross the street. That And that's not because I can't teach these things, okay? It's because these things take repetition and social pressure, okay? A positive yeah. social pressure. Yeah. Um, and we can either eat three home-cooked meals a day, have clean laundry, <laughs> and welcome new babies during my fertility years, or we can spend lots of time focusing on social norms. But we can't have both, okay? Mm. We can't have a happy mommy uh, lots of healthy, nutritious, home cooked meals. Clean laundry. Accepting babies, which we do. We love. I want to accept babies during my entire fertility years. Okay, but like I can't. I I just I can't do that, and that's mm-hmm. part of learning myself. Yeah. Okay, this is not where I'm going to focus my time. And then again, this is what it looks like in my house. This is what it looks like with my temperament and my flaws. Okay, I'm accepting that my kids won't always raise their hand when they want to be heard. Okay. I'm accepting that my kids don't know how to brush their hair or wear a uniform every day. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I'm just, that is my trade-off. Okay. There are so many incredible things, incredible things that we could not oh, repli- yeah. replicate even in the best school that we get at home. And that is my trade-off. Okay. Well, and
0: I think I think that the the broader point there is just the reality of trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. There are going to be significant trade-offs if your kid is in school eight or nine hours a day away from your family. There are gonna be trade offs there. It doesn't mean you can't surmount those trade offs, those those setbacks, but they're real. And so too, on you know, if you decide to homeschool, there are gonna be some trade offs. Yeah. I mean, some of some of the socialization in terms of, you know, knowing how to stand in the line and raise your hand, you know, mm-hmm. it's gonna take a little longer to set in. You know, you're
2: gonna have yeah. a bit
1: and children become self aware. Yeah. At yeah. different ages. And they tend to self-correct that stuff. And even, especially when they get older, it's easier for you to then self-correct yeah. it because they have control over themselves. Especially,
0: especially again, if you're doing it in the midst of, of family with lots of siblings around and lots of extended family and friends, like a lot of that then is still going to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, yeah, your kids, if you have a lot of siblings, your kids are going to know <laughs> that they're annoying really quick, <laughs> right? And you don't even have to even say it as a parent. You don't have to be like, hey, that's very annoying to other people. Yeah. You'll have four other siblings telling them that before you even get that sentence out of your mouth. So it's like, it's self, there are some self-correctings when it comes to the the social stuff. Um, Okay. Um, Unschool or de-school for a long time. And we talked about what those things mean in other episodes. For a long time before you choose a curriculum or make a homeschooling room. Mm -hmm. Okay. So unschooling would be like, um, not having a curriculum and kind of uh, following what you already know are the children's interests, okay? Mm. So um, it doesn't just mean the kids just do whatever they want all day. Um, or that you there's could no do, structure to, you could to, do that. to family um, life. I, it won't last for long, but you could do that. <laughs> yeah. um, or de-schooling would be like, if you're taking a kid out of school and they're accustomed, you and them are accustomed to a certain way of looking at education. Yeah. And during that time, you're just kind of like, relaxing and spending time together doing the fun things maybe you go to cedar point maybe you go to the museum maybe you 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 go to parks or things and just kind of learn the child learn what educate maybe you go to the farmers market maybe you cook a bunch enjoy different restaurants walk to places more like you're just pulling yourself out of the system for a little while and looking at education and the way that your child and you yeah. like the way your child learns the way you learn and the way you teach that child
0: I want to give a, just an example um, of this I think yeah. Helps flush it out a little sure. bit. So uh, about a year and a half ago now, your dad had gotten surgery, mm-hmm. and he came to live with us after in his recovery for a couple of months. And it was right at the beginning when we normally would have started school, and just because of you know, like uh, of dad being in the house and taking care of him pregnant, and all this uh, first pregnant, everything, yeah. it was like okay, school's not going to happen in the normal way. And so we were we kind of decided we're going to be fine with that. We're going to we'll start it here in a, in a month or two. You know when things settle down, and in the, in the meantime. What we instead focused on is we kept we kept the structure of family life. Kids do need structure; mm-hmm. that's that's important. So we kept our normal schedule. Like we could still get up get up at the same time, did our chores, had breakfast at the same time. Um, but rather than having formal school time the way we normally would have done, or or you know assigning the normal you know school workbooks and different things like that, for a few months, the kids just focus on hey, every day, kids, you know, you're gonna take. Um, I think I had them doing two half hour chunks where they were just reading and then doing uh, another half an hour chunk of free writing. So they could write whatever they wanted and they could read whatever they wanted it had to it had to be chapter books. And I knew they could already do those things mm-hmm. and they and they could pick what to fill it with, but they were to do those every day. And we did that for a few months as we were, you know, taking care of, uh, of dad and everything. And you know, like the, the, the amazing output of reading and writing from that mm-hmm. time period was, was incredible. Like yeah. the, the reams and reams novels of stories and, poetry and novels and, 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 and
1: riddles and you know, illustrations. And it, it was incredible.
0: It was a great example of, again, like, like a general structure, but allowing the kids during this time to take a bit more of a lead. And okay, well, what are you interested in? What are you interested in reading about? What are you interested in writing and exploring about? Mm-hmm. And it, And it's okay to take some time and to do that, and that actually allowed us to then come back into school with more of a sense of, uh, w- well, with stronger readers and writers, mm-hmm. but then also a, a better sense of what are they interested in? What can we uh, capitalize on mm-hmm. in helping move back into the formal schooling?
1: Yeah, that's a great example. Thanks. I actually totally forgot about that nice. time period. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so curriculums. Yeah. Um, my advice, this is purely subjective advice, okay? Look for your desired curriculums at the library first and try them out, okay? Mm-hmm. So we mentioned Life of Fred a lot. That's available in your, I mean, like there's there's 50, there's 50 copies of this in the Ohio library system that you can have, set, like learn how to use your library system. Right, right. Um, and there's also, I mentioned this before, there's no shame in spending a bunch of money on your ideal Catholic curriculum and sending in your curriculum notification letter and telling the school board that this is what you're using. And then you realize on week one that it's absolutely unsustainable to use this thing. It's unworkable. Your child won't do it. You hate teaching it. You don't even understand <laughs> what this page looks like okay. or what I'm supposed to do on, first on this page. We've all been there. You
0: can throw it out and Put them. it
1: aside. It's fine. D-school, read, learn the child better, just pick a different curriculum. Yeah.
0: Or just put that aside and then just focus on a on uh, on a smaller number of subjects that you can really double down on and mm-hmm. you really enjoy. And the kids really enjoy yeah. Like that's okay too. A different and greater kind of fruit is going to come out of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. If your kids are super into science right now, like we do science together with the older kids um, and we could, I mean, some days it's just great. And we could just keep pushing through like the next system, the next, you know, chapter, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, as long as everyone's having fun and enjoying themselves and you don't want to die, like, yeah, why not? Keep we mentioned, that. again, we went do Life of Fred for math. And this is something we do not do. And I stand by it, gosh darn it. We do not do spelling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, dropped that, I dropped that after hearing that Charlotte Mason um, Educational Method does not do spelling. And I was like so ready to drop that because even the Damn. kids who love doing workbook stuff hated spelling. And so we dropped it in faith, in faith in Charlotte Mason— that her method was going to work out. And I have tested the one kid who has had no spelling ever off and on, okay? And she is like a better speller than I could have possibly ever imagined. And that has come yeah. from reading and copy work.
0: Yeah, and, and let me contextualize and it because I do want to emphasize that that one of the absolute bedrock foundations of of education for a child should be language. Like one of your your huge educational goals should be for that child to be able to read and write and speak very very well very you know fluently and beautifully and proficiently language should be their life so why not spelling? Well, the thing of spelling, especially if you if you if you speak English, is that yeah. English is a bastard language. <laughs> like, I mean, it just is. It's 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 you know, it's got the, the Germanic half. It's got the ro- romantic half. It's all put together, and all all the rules are made up, and the points don't matter. I mean, like it's just. <laughs> spelling in English is just, is just pointless. And you can, you can bang your head and you can bang your child's head against a bunch of spelling rules and spelling workbooks and learning the vowel combinations, you know, until they're blue in the face. And you know what, in the end it's not going to matter because really if they just read a lot and write a lot, they're going to pick that stuff up. I mean, you don't, you don't.
1: They uh, they really yeah. have an aptitude for learning and mimetic learning. Yeah, um, Audiobooks are phenomenal. Like I think, there are some years where the majority of our budget, not even budgeted stuff, but we have spent the most money for homeschooling on audiobooks, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you hear, you hear the language, you yeah. hear it spoken by someone who knows how to say it. You you know, like it's an actor, like listening to Shakespeare yeah. being read to you. You learn so much. We love audiobooks. Yeah. You can get those through the library too.
0: Yeah. Just, just double down on, on helping your child learn to read really well and really enjoyably. And then to be able to. Uh, write. I mean, that writing is a very, very, very important skill. And then encourage conversation, encourage reading aloud, encourage, you know, speaking well, the spelling will just come on its own. You don't need to make it a specific formal subject.
1: So again, this is just our opinion. Our opinion. opinion.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm saying, I'm telling you, you save yourself a headache there.
1: Next practical. It is not always wise to push through the bad days. Oh yeah. All right. If you're, I remember actually our first formal homeschooling day, we had arbitrarily picked a date. It ended up being a date that you were out of town on work. And I was like, I'm still going to do it. We're going to make pancakes in the morning. This is Dominic's first day of formal schooling. We're going to do this. We're going (laughs) to, and it was like, it wasn't even eight o'clock and I had yelled at the kids already and I was practically crying and I was just like cooking this breakfast. And I was like, I hate, I hate this this is the worst. I'm the worst. We shouldn't be doing this. Like again, I'm the worst. I'm a failure. And then I was like, wait, there's no one who says we have to start today. (laughs) I was like, we'll just start when John Mark gets back home. And it was like, and then I, everything went away and me and the kids still had a day. They still learned all day because they're kids and that's what they do. You know, if send the kids outside, let them read, read to them if you can, if you're in the mental space where you can read to them. You know, have a foreign language video or audiobook ready if that's, you know, what you want to do with their time or just drop the school yeah. day altogether. It's a free day
0: I was we you talked know. in the first episode about our our current snapshot of our of our schedule. and i I spend an hour with the kids before I go to work, mate to nine. That's just how we have things set up. And I, there was one day a few months ago when I was um we just had a rough morning with chores, and everybody was a little grumpy. and i was i had I had written down the previous day like I was going to work, you know, 20 minutes working more on our, our Latin and then and then get everybody doing their math homework and everything. And I was just, I was not feeling it. I was like, Oh gosh. So I, I pivoted that day and I just grabbed out this new book. I don't have it with me, but it's a, a book by a, a priest on the virtue of prudence. Uh, and the virtues that I just started reading it and it was, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's good material, but it was it's 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 light enough. The first chapter, I thought that the kids could follow, and I was just like, you know what, we're just going to read aloud today. We're going to read aloud today. Okay, <laughs> you start, Dominic, and he, and he read a paragraph, and we started going around the table, and I was just I was just trying to fill the time with something that I was not going to be, you know, too much of a headache. And you know what, we ended up reading that whole chapter and the next one, and having this great conversation about it. And by the end of it, <laughs> we were all in a great mood, and like it was just. Um, and as you said, the point is, is if it's just not working that day, you have the freedom to be able to say, you know what, we're going to take a break from this today. We're going to do something different. You know, like you can do that. That's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even sometimes the kid, especially when they're young, they ask for more education, but you can tell that they are not going to do well. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I had Mina the other day and we were doing, this is our five-year-old and she just wanted to do school so bad, but she couldn't follow any of the instructions. We had, we'd used up her ability to follow the instructions with the teddy bear math manipulatives. Okay. (laughs) So she was just like, but yeah, no, I want to do more. And then we, you know, try to follow directions and it would just be like, no, I'll just play with them like this. And we're like, okay, we're done. Right. We did, we did like, three minutes of this and we're done. And I can tell she's done even though she's begging for more and we're done. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is a successful math day (laughs) with a five-year-old. Um, and then some days they can go longer. So it's just learn your kids, learn when to stop. Right. Um, Okay. Don't tell. This is a pro tip. This is a pro tip. We talked about this in mom's group the other day. I read this day. one in your
0: notes. You're going to have to explain this one. Okay. I'm not sure if I can Okay, get it Do, it.
1: don't tell younger kids about field trips or play dates until you have successfully backed out of the driveway and are actually driving to your destination.
0: So why is this? Why
1: is this? Because if you tell a kid that you're going to have some kind of a fun... So we're talking like seven and under, okay? okay? Depending on the maturity of the kid. Mm-hmm. Because if you tell a kid that they're going to have a play date with someone next week, not only will you never stop hearing about it, Mm They will whip themselves up into all kinds of frenzies, excitement, fear. What if I don't have this? What if I can't bring this? I need to bring this. I'm going to make them all kinds of gifts and presents, okay? Mm. And then inevitably the family gets sick and throws up and then we can't go to their house. (laughs) I mean, it it happens like 50% of the time, Mm. okay? Okay. Or if something comes up and we can't go, we start throwing up maybe. And then it's just like sobbing for the next several days and sometimes for the next several weeks that they didn't have this play date with this kid. (laughs) So- all the experienced moms at Catholic Mom Book Club the other day said, "Do not tell your kids you're going anywhere until you have backed up out of your driveway, not run over anything, and you're on your way to the destination."
0: See, I've been thinking about lately a, a, a seemingly opposite point, but maybe we can make them work together. And, and, and I, I think maybe this thinking, is a
1: mom versus a dad. It, it thing. might be a
0: yeah, it might be a, 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 a father mother thing too. Like I've been thinking of my need to maybe this is reflective of the older kids that I need to get better at actually planning at. I tend to live too much in the moment and, and things are very busy. And so I don't get around to enough of the family activities and plans and vacations and things that we'd like to do for our family culture. Um, and I've recognized the need to do that more specifically with regards to the older kids, because as they're getting older and they have more responsibilities and they have more, more chores and, and, you know, like they, you, you need to be giving them things to look ahead to Older
2: so kids, that work, for
0: sure. you know, makes yeah. sense in the moment so that they, they have a sense that, hey, we're, we're working as a family now because we want to do fun things later. Like we're working toward the weekend when we're going to go, you know, or we're, we're going to have that movie night or we're going to do these things together. You have to make the game worth playing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they keep playing it. They, 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 they have recognize. to have a
1: prize to keep their eye on.
0: Yeah. 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 So. That's and maybe that is more about the older kids, you know.
1: Yeah, because because we want the kids to be motivated simply based on theoretical ideas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we'll be happy as a family, or you'll get a good education and you'll be successful in your future. But that a lot of times is just not motivating enough, and it can feel like you're never getting anywhere. So I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. So. Take, take (laughs) either of our experiences with (laughs) however you want to use them in your own life. Okay. So last point, last practical before we get into the Q and A. When your kids are young, your house will vacillate between clean and a disaster. That's just what's going to happen. Right. Okay. Because there's more of them than there are of you. All right. Uh, And your yard, your yard will as well. So uh, (laughs) pick your battles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah and practice having people over without cleaning so that you can learn to hug the cactus of your shame and get over it <laughs> <laughs> cuz that's really the only way it's going to happen yeah, you're going to feel ashamed and then you're going to get over it
0: in case no one's burst the bubble for you cleanliness is not next to godliness <laughs> that's, that's not a my myth. bible myth that's not real <laughs> necessarily
1: yeah. And I mean, like, and it feels <laughs> Cleaning really, can be
0: an act of virtue, but cleanliness is not of itself.
1: Yeah. And everybody you know? feels better when there's not clutter. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But there may just be a period of time when you just don't get that option on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Okay. On a regular basis. Um, yeah. So it just, I mean, what did Francis say? Francis Russell said, um, you can have home cooked meals homeschool your kids or have a clean house you can have two of those things but you can't have all three.
0: You you only free, freely drop her name because you know she doesn't listen to this. No she wouldn't
1: listen <laughs> <podcast>. to <laughs> I think I said something the other day like we were we we're chatting about something and I was like we have x number of downloads every month. That's bizarre. And she's like I'm not one of them. <laughs> I was like I know. <laughs> um okay, so Q&A. and, a. Q and a. actually Never (laughs) Q&A. Okay. Here they are. Are you ready? You haven't seen these questions, I don't think. Okay. Okay. How do you manage the little kids while schooling the big kids?
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, we described this a little bit in our first episode. Um, I don't think there's one right answer to this. Um, It's going to be a combination of, you know, again, knowing your children and Mm -hmm. yourself. Some people, some kids have more or less capacity to sit together as a group and, and do group learning. Um, and some adults have more or less capacity to command that kind of attention. Right. Yeah. Uh, in our case, uh, as it's working right now, I do some time together with the oldest three kids who are all two years apart. Uh, and they have differing temperaments and maturity levels, but I'm, I'm generally able to, to work on some things together with the three of them, uh, with little kids playing elsewhere. Um, And so again, the way we handle that is that, you know, in the morning we kind of swap, like I do some time with the older Mm -hmm. kids and you keep an eye on the younger kids. And then, then we swap. Um, But I I also would say that we rely a lot, a lot in our, our home and our family schooling. Um, That there's just a lot of things that we do together as a family that over time have become part of our culture. Uh, And it just takes a lot of persistence. I mean, again, some of our, our prayer routines are part of that example of that where, you know, it, it's been messy for a long time, but it's eventually sunk in that the older kids know what to do and the middle kids follow suit and the and the mm-hmm. little kids are starting to get it.
1: Yeah, you know, and, like, so, and the majority of time when we pray, except for our quick morning offering or the things around the table, like if we're going to do real prayer, mm-hmm. we usually put the little kids away or we do it after bedtime or right. something like that because— um, yeah, again, that's just a choice we made because we want we want the older kids to really develop a habit and a quiet prayer life. Mm-hmm. And so for some parts of that, the little kids just go away.
0: <laughs> I think uh, and another point we've talked about is just like really emphasizing the uh, the reading early on as much as possible and just hammering that home, getting that really strong, really confident. Because the more that you have older kids that can read very proficiently, mm-hmm. the more that you... Uh, can begin to give them more responsibility in their own education. In other words, like, okay, we have, a, we have a workbook. Okay, I want you to read through this chapter and do the homework, and then we'll look at it together later. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be there over your shoulder at every moment because I know you can read really well and comprehend mm-hmm. really
1: well. And some kids are better than that than others. Right, like right. we have one kid who wants you to do every single thing with them, mm-hmm. and she may not grow out of that for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And then we have other kids who are totally self self-proficient but who are super good at lying and hiding Mm -hmm. about whether or not they've done things, you know, just choosing not to do them. So, I mean, like, we're always managing and watching and holding accountable. Okay. Um, Another, like, hack that has been working really well is that the younger kids will come out and interrupt us. They Mm -hmm. absolutely will. And my big kids will immediately get goofy with one another or leave the table or like, you know, if I have to go deal with the little kids. So what I've been using probably for the last half a year that has been working so good is telling the older kids to put their heads down.
0: Like, just take, a, take a break.
1: Like, no, take a not take a break. Right, put like, your heads down on the table. Got it. Like at bits. school. Okay. Yeah. And then I go deal with the other kids and and they're quieter. I mean, they don't get goofy. They know they're not supposed to get goofy. Okay. And it takes a couple times of practicing that with the goofiness. But it's like that has been my pause button and it has worked so well, which is mm. probably why I learned it at school, because it worked well. Yeah. Um and it's not a punishment, right? It's like you're just putting your head down. Put your head yeah. down.
0: Just take a little cat nap. Yeah. yeah. Um interesting.
1: Yeah, okay. I haven't tried that. I'll try that. It's <laughs> I love it. Um, it can be a punishment. Uh <laughs> okay, for those who homeschool. How, when do you find personal time for yourself, not cleaning or cooking, but pursuing hobbies each day, each is in big caps, hmm. um, when homeschooling littles, when you have homeschooling littles who do not nap?
0: Hmm. Well, I think another part of it is just, re- I think it, it's not, it doesn't take the time investment that you necessarily think it does, um, especially when, you're, when well, you're deschooling.
1: So what I think what this person is asking is like, how do you find time? Mm-hmm. to be without the kids or at least not bothered by the kids mm. to pursue your own charism, your mm. own hobby, your own thing.
0: Mm. What do you think?
1: Okay. So there's <laughs> two ways to take this. Okay. Yeah. Number one way, nobody likes it. Get up early. Yeah. Get up earlier than the kids. Get the get an okay to wait clock, clock so that the kids know when they can get out of their bed before they can read time and just make it super strict upon implementing. Just Don't even look at them. Don't hug them. Don't just back in that room until the okay to wake clock goes off and they'll Mm -hmm. get it. They'll get it quickly. Um, But you have to get up early, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because usually your brain is fried by the end of the night. But Mm -hmm. the second way that we can take this is that when you're having downtime, I always want to veg on the couch and like do something mindless. Mm -hmm. Okay. But Mm -hmm. then like any interruption becomes like, there's just never enough vegging that you can do to actually make you feel like you want to, you've done, you're done vegging, you're Mm -hmm. done resting. You can get up now and go about the day. I have to do something that makes me alive.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So I have to pursue the thing that makes me alive. Okay. And this might come after your spouse gets home. Like I'm a, I'm a raging extrovert, but I can fool myself. So I need to get out and be with other people and have awesome conversations and laugh and just Hmm. enjoy being out. And when I do that, I'm able to come back to the day refreshed and excited. Maybe for you, um, that's writing, okay? Um, Hmm. I'm not—so you'd have to find a time. If the kids don't nap, I mean, I guess it would be before, you know, or work out with your husband what day of the week. Am I doing this? Am I getting out, you know— We have neighbors who are totally capable of stepping over and being in the house um, with my kids, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, and I don't mean like babysitting them forever. I mean, like I can step into a back room and think about things or do the thing that enlivens me and brings me joy and fills me up so that I'm ready to step back into the day. Um, Jennifer Fulweiler is awesome at talking about this. Um, She's got this book called One Beautiful Dream, Mm -hmm. where she talks about how she wrote her first book when she had six, in the space of like having six kids in eight years Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And her advice is beautiful. And she's a comedian. So it's like a total page turner. I was laughing and laughing the first time I read it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So yeah, what do you think about that?
0: One of the things that comes to my mind, and this is something that I think we've both learned and, Been getting better at. It's just sometimes when we when we think of that question, we want an easy answer to that question that can happen and be implemented in isolation from our spouse and our kids. Mm -hmm. In other words, like I need to just be able to like turn a key and make this happen. And it's just it's not going to be like that. It it, it's going to take some creativity Mm -hmm. and working creatively with your spouse. You know, like a few years ago, I can't remember for some reason I was committed to doing evening prayer every day or I was like for like a month I was trying to like get better at doing both morning and evening prayer and then there were some days I would do it at the end of work and some days I didn't have it done and I remember one day I was like it just occurred to me like oh wait a minute why I can I can ask Teresa hey can I take 10 minutes
2: mm-hmm.
0: and go pray in the bedroom and I, I like for I just I remember in that moment I was like for years there's a part of me that has wanted to do more things but didn't want to have to communicate and problem solve creatively with you like i wanted to stay insulated and kind of like drive my own stuff and just have it but to have to say okay hey can you t- you know like we're, we're getting a lot better at that now where we we've talked through more aspects of our schedule and we've gotten creative with saying okay here can you uh, you uh play with the kids for a little bit and so i can go off and do this thing and then we'll swap or or whatever and it seems like such an obvious thing, but I think sometimes our, the reason we can't figure these things out is because we want to be able to solve them on our own mm-hmm. and we need to solve them as a team. And I think you, know, you brought up Jennifer Fulweiler. One of the things that kind come of out, comes out in her books is recognizing that you need to even bring your kids into that, especially the older kids, after a while as your family develops it, saying that, hey, like this is this is our family mission. This is the vision for our family. Or this is what, hey, you have things you want to do. I have things that I want to do and that make me... And we have to we have to help each other in this. So let's let's be strategic in these ways to help each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's going to take some creativity, um, but it has to be done as a team. That's one thing. The other thing that I would just say too is that, like again, as you said, the stuff that you pursue, a hobbies types types of things, you need to be realistic with those and evaluate those. I mean, I I think you do want to begin to do things that over time you that can be some of them can be done with the family, mm-hmm. right? Like the um, sometimes maybe we're, we're picking things that are, are unrealistic uh, or unnecessarily uh, isolating rather than mm-hmm. things that can bring yeah. us together. And or, it, again, you can't, I'm really into getting really into board games. I just, I just love playing them. Can't do those with a little bit ba- kids and their babies, but now I'm getting to the point where I, Hey, I have older kids who love to play these and I can have, uh, I can now pers- pursue and do these different hobbies um, because I've kind of gone through the process of, on working on being able to do them with their kids. Mm-hmm.
1: So Yeah. And if we're talking, so she mentioned hobbies, but if we're talking like you're in this mode with littles where you can't get away and you're getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. and overstressed. Okay. Um, Adam Lane Smith was on mm-hmm. and he, and I asked him this question. I'm like, okay, you want me to work out or push myself to, to, to physical extreme, when I feel like I'm getting angry or I'm losing control or having a panic attack or something like that. But I have kids who will die. If I go take 20 minutes that could die, could actually die. If I go take 20 minutes and run on, run outside or run on the treadmill or whatever. And his um, advice was, well then turn on your favorite music and have a dance party with the kids until you're exhausted Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same as like exercise only it's not dangerous for my children. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and I used to spend, I spent years being like, I just need five minutes. I just need five minutes. I can't even get five minutes without me being interrupted. I just need five minutes to be able to calm down. And I, I was always whipping myself up into these panic attack frenzies when I couldn't get isolation because you just can't, you can't mm-hmm. get isolation when you have little children who could die, right? So the dance party thing is a great idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just one other quick thing is just like, again, if you, sometimes the barriers say you need to break through and begin to have harder conversations with your spouse, more creative conversations about what what you need, what I need, what you want, what I want, and how can we help each other? We've gotten a lot better this past month. Like every Tuesday night, you've been going out for a few hours, going to my office or, or someplace to just, just work and decompress mm-hmm. and do some work on your computer and do some writing. And same thing on Saturday morning. That's when you have your book club, but you also mm-hmm. spend extra time out. And this is because we looked at the schedule. I, I kind of blocked out the week and, and recognized, Hey, why don't we just make these two blocks of time every week? Just, you know, just unschedulable mm-hmm. time on the calendar. And just, Hey, you just, even if you don't have something scheduled, mm-hmm. you just go out and, and take the time for yourself. And you that's do that at 7am
1: well. every morning for me too. You take over breakfast that's and right. like managing all of the children and i work yeah. out cuz we were in a situation where you would get to go to the gym mm-hmm. you would get birth prayer time but just because i'm the mother mm-hmm. like i would just never get away it mm-hmm. would never happen like we could either have breakfast have dinner prepared for later in the day or like i could exercise
2: yeah
1: you know or or like i was we were making a lot of and ors with like necessary things or mm-hmm. like either ors with necessary things and eventually you were just like, why don't I just take over breakfast? And you spend that seven to eight hour doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, we want you to exercise. We know you need it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so you spend your time doing what you think you need to do to exercise, to stretch, to build strength, whatever. You know, your garden, you your day, be your notebook, outside, you know, things you know that you wanted to do. get the stuff done. And I will just take, you know, you just tap out and I'll tap in during that time. Yeah. And yep. that, I mean, that's...
0: And I think it's just a super common thing with couples. I think it's a a really common thing where you have, you have goodwill, but you're both just trying to like figure out marriage and family life in your own track. Right. Mm -hmm. And you just, and you, and when it's not working, it's like you double down on, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do things and scheduling is better so I can fix things. When really, if you just look across the aisle and begin to troubleshoot it with each other, it may involve some initial, you know, getting out mm-hmm. of of baggage and pent up mm-hmm. stuff, but like once you can begin having that conversation, there's a lot more creative solutions I think than we're mm-hmm. aware of.
1: Yeah, and if you're yeah. afraid of the fight, you probably should have the fight.
0: Get it done.
1: Okay. So the next question is: Do you follow a schedule for your day? I we um, already
0: answered that one pretty or well. Or do you
1: do more than a rhythm? So yeah, check out our first episode, um, homeschooling one episode, part one, I don't know, where we go through our day. Um, so the answer to that is like, yes, yes. and
0: no. But, but I think uh, <laughs> one comment I'd make about that is that is that we've done a lot of throwing stuff at the wall over the years to see what sticks, you know, and letting some things go and keeping other things. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, that's, that's something that's a, a responsibility of yours to to take on. Like I have to be the the creative problem solver, culture builder here in my home, along with my spouse. But once you begin doing it, you also recognize it's it's a lot of fun, and and no one can actually no no influencer out there with an ebook or a, or a PDF can actually give you the end all be all schedule. You you have to go through the messy process of trying and experimenting. Mm-hmm. And eventually things do sink in. You find the traditions, the rhythms, the routines that work for you. Um, But it's always a work in progress
1: too. Habit stacking is a great idea. Like find the habit that you already have in the day Mm -hmm. and think about what would logically flow there. Yeah,
0: build out from there. Use it as an anchor. Yeah,
1: Yeah. we have breakfast every day and we've built a little like liturgy out of our breakfast. Um, So it's one of the ways we pray during the day. And we have a whole episode on what we do at breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What, this is for you. Uh, what do you do when a child does not want to cooperate with school? We've answered that a little bit, Mm -hmm. not just for one day, but basically every day. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So maybe we're talking about a bad attitude or they've, they've already decided Mm -hmm. maybe, I mean, I'm I'm putting words in her mouth, um, decided that school is not something they're doing Mm -hmm. and they're not cooperating with mom.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I mean a few ideas. Like number number one, we talked a little bit in the last episode about getting to know your child and uh, getting to know what they're excited about and trying to help them take the next step in virtue. Um, and so part of that is you know getting to know what's the basis of that mental block. What's the basis of you know, a lot of like with some of my kids, it's been just fear. Like, and I didn't sort of figure that out till some troubleshooting and some experimenting and, you know, talking and letting out strong emotions, you know, from the kid that is still they're just like afraid that they're going to mess it up
2: or something Mm -hmm. like that. And And there's
1: not always, your kid may not always be able to tell you that. Right. Either they might not want to let it out or Mm -hmm. they just might not know how to name that. So that's why, again, we, we've talked a lot about this, but like the, the, the taking a break from schooling Mm -hmm. and. Doing something more out of the box, like going to museums, letting them pick where you're going to go, because when that happens, they might be, they might let down a little more Mm -hmm. and then you can start to see, or they might even tell you, or you might be able to be like, hey, you love this thing that you just did here that was the same thing we did in the workbook the other day, you Mm -hmm. know, or that's similar to what we did in the math. Oh, okay. What's different. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I love this. This is great. I'd take you here, you know, once a week, if you want we can get a membership here. What makes this different? It might just take getting them out of the scenario Mm -hmm. and knowing that you're going to, you're, just starting a fresh conversation with them in a total, like away from the kitchen table, away from wherever you're homeschooling, you're in a different scenario and they just might feel different and a little more like they can let it out, you know, or that they can put words to it finally. Um, So I, I'm just, I'm such a huge fan of stepping away from school and like letting that kid pick the next field trip or pick the next outing um, or even just getting alone time with that kid, even if it's just like ice cream or.
0: You can always step back and focus on a more fundamental Like if you you kind of see things in in your life and your kids' lives as these stacked blocks, you know, like always a more fundamental level. It's just like your relationships as a family. And if those aren't in order, if those are in need of repair, well, that's going to trickle upward to other things. You know, sometimes a lot of times I find, right, when, when the kids aren't motivated to cooperate and participate in the family life, well, part of it sometimes that they're, uh, they, they just need more like time and attention in a different way that they're not getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they don't, they don't feel motivated to play this game of life as a family because, you know, they, they've they kind of lost sight of what we're working towards or mm-hmm. maybe you're not.
1: Or they don't care about the family because it's not particular at the moment. It's not like giving them what they need, you know? And, and that sounds like a bigger thing than it is. Like that is, that's an easy thing to fix, yeah. right? If a kid feels like they hate the family, it's probably a like a, a concrete thing that you yeah. can probably address. Like, well, oh, we it, used to spend time after the kids went <laughs> to bed together watching Minecraft videos, and now we don't do that anymore. Oh, okay. okay. Do we need to put on the calendar that we're gonna, you know, like watch? You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. they they seem they feel big, but they they're probably really easy fixes.
0: Right. It's like again, we we t- talked about before the the love languages book, and the main takeaway from that book is just recognizing that hey, the way that you uh, think to express love may not always be the way that others best receive it. And so sometimes you have to step back and say, okay, wait, what are the things, and you might have to ask this, your spouse or your child, when do you really feel loved? Like, mm-hmm. when do you, what, 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 when do you really feel loved and appreciated? Like, what are those times? And it may just be something different than you mm-hmm. had stuck in your head. and You say, oh gosh, I got I to gotta reinforce those areas. Yeah,
1: Or you could warm or safe or something, depending on the kid's age. Like, when do you feel like you're just happy and safe and warm because some other kids may not know what you,
0: you love recognize since we're again, we're talking about homeschooling here that uh, there's no teacher out there that's going to have the perfect solution to this either just because mm-hmm. your kids in the school system and they're feeling like because they're in school this issue of of not being motivated to do school it's not going to suddenly be fixed just because they're in a big giant classroom of kids mm-hmm. with a teacher who's got to teach them all it's it's going to be an issue either way you have the advantage as a parent and a home educator that you you have the freedom to pause the lesson or even pause the subject and step back work on the relationship or, you know maybe discover what's what's missing what's lacking um, you you have an advantage there that's not uh, well yeah there you go
1: okay, this one's for you too last okay. one what is dad's role in homeschooling?
0: Dad's role, Uh, in terms of the actual practicalities of, of, of teaching or working through a workbook or explaining that stuff. I mean, that's going to look different in every, every family. And there's certainly, I think there's some moms out there who are like just by their temperament or their ability, they're just able to command a crowd and they can do a lot more of that. We've found ways that we've kind of divided up that labor. And there's some things that I like to do, you like to do. And we're, we're still tinkering with that. Um, so that may look a little bit different, and it's gonna be depend on your relationship, your temperament, your creative solutions with your spouse. I'd say the more important role of the dad is that you you are the head of the family. you are you are the, the 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 king and the culture builder of the family. Like you, it is your responsibility to be setting up a family life that is, as I said earlier, a game that's worth playing. you know, building with your spouse a culture, um, a rhythm of life setting a vision for where the family's going, you know, that that's motivated and, and, and exciting. You're, you have to make sure that, you know, that you're, you're teaching your children and helping them to participate in the work, but also that that work is oriented towards the Sabbath day. We're, we're a Sabbath people as Christians, as Catholics, we are not meant for the work. We, we do the work, but we're meant for the Sabbath, for relationship, for leisure, for worship, um, for uh, for love, for connection. And so you have to lead your family in such a way that that, that balance is right, that we're working together as a family, but we're always working towards uh, the Sabbath day, you know, both the actual day of the week, but also, you know, just in terms of the structure of life, towards the relationship, mm-hmm. towards the connection, towards worship of God, towards love, towards um, uh, all of that. And so, You have a particular role, not always in necessarily implementing all of that, but certainly taking the initiative in starting that conversation, working on it with your wife, you know, um, being the lead cheerleader and keeping the family Mm -hmm. motivated and moving that direction. I think that dad, you have a role as this kingly role, this prophetic role in your family to be the one who's always initiating that and buoying it up. Um, So that's what I'd say about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah your your wife certainly has flaws but she probably is always caring and trying and worried and feeling like she may fail so you are phenomenal in in every aspect that i am a wife and a mother and a woman like you are phenomenal at supporting that and always making me feel like i don't want to say supporting like you're this you <sighs> Like there's a, there's a really negative connotation in our culture right now of men that just like do whatever their wife tell them.
2: Right, And that's a, a not what I'm role. saying. Right. What I'm saying is <laughs> that
1: you see my value and my dignity and what I am only capable of. Mm-hmm. I am only capable Um, In this two-person relationship of gestating children, of nursing children, of being the mother to the children. You know, we have chosen for me to stay home and that has certain responsibilities. Um, And... You are so excellent at supporting yeah. all of those roles, never coming home and being like, what did you do all day? Or,
0: yeah, no, <laughs> well, and we just did an episode about this. Again, just a, the the first episode of this new season, if you will, the mm-hmm. Leadership and Managing Up episode. Oh, yeah. You know, the, that's the role of a leader well, a in block. whatever context they're in. You know, um, the leader exercises exercises whatever power they have for the good of others to set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And so that's as much true when we were talking about you know flipping that on its head a little bit talking about how that's even true for if you're you know if you're lower in organization how you're you're doing that both above and below you but that's true if you're at the top of an organization if you're the king of a country if you're the Pope of the Catholic Church you are the servant of the servants of God mm-hmm. you know the King's the, the the king if he's being a good king his goal is for all of the of the of his citizens to flourish, and so if you, the the husband has a particular kingly role as the head mm-hmm. of the family, but that's a, a role of laying down his life in service. He is to lay down his life if necessary and as necessary, so that his wife flourishes, so that his children flourish. That that's his role is is this Christly kingly role of laying his laying it all down to help them succeed, mm-hmm. and that's uh, so. It's never uh, you're never in a, in a in a position of leadership or authority or power for yourself. And it's the modern world that makes us always think of, of hierarchy and power in those terms. No.
1: As, as just reaping benefits. I'm right. only reaping benefits. No,
0: no. It, it's always for others. And so a husband is a man for his wife, for his children. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, back to the original question here, like, you know, what's dad's role? Well, you, you need to be a, a good head of your family, initiating building family culture uh, and then creatively working with your wife to figure out, okay, how do we practically implement this? What are the ways that I should, uh, that we should both be practically involved in the actual homeschooling? Well, I've got no voice left. So the episode's over. So
1: (laughs) we did it. Episode three, homeschooling. We said a lot of things.
0: A lot of things. So we'd like you to say some <laughs> additional things. So if you go to elevateordinary.com, you can find the past episodes of this little mini series. You can find past archives of the show. You can also find how to contact us. We'd love to hear again from you, your comments, your input. We can always do future episodes, revisit this topic. Cause again, this is not a definitive end all be all homeschooling 101. This is our experience, our conversation. We're inviting you into it. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope that again, we we can help encourage you To be having these conversations this thought process in your life because ultimately you have to be the decision maker the thinker the creative problem solver in your marriage and your family and that's that's god's dignified creative call that he's made uh to you and so you got to do it so go do it yeah all
2: right well thanks for joining us for this episode of elevate ordinary we'll be back again soon god bless you see you then